Welcome to episode 10 of What's the Chakkar. My name is Karan Madhok and I'm the editor and co-founder of The Chakkar. Thechakkar.com is an Indian arts review, a celebration of India's artistic creativity, where we publish writing on Indian music, film, literature, theater, art, sports and so much more. We also publish creative work like poetry, fiction, photography, original art, etc. In this episode, I will interview a number of guests on recent trends in music, literature and film and TV from India and abroad. In conversation today with Shaista Vaishnav, Adi Manral and Pratik Santram, we will analyze literature by S Harish and TJ Clone, listen to music by the artist Tejas, and discuss season 2 of the show The Family Man. So strap in and let's go around the chakkar. Uh so welcome Shaista Vaishnav back to the What's the Chakkar podcast. Shaista, how are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. It's great to be here as usual. So Shasha usually the uh, the books we end up reading uh you know not usually but you know uh, for example last month we we both read books that were not uh, uh, completely contemporary i think the one i read was like 60 years old the one you read came out 3 uh, or 4 years ago uh, so i decided to to get with the times finally uh, and i picked nice. up a novel that has been talked about a lot in um, indian literary circles over the past year is mustache by s harish um this book was or, uh, originally written in malayalam it's a, uh, it's a malayalam novel originally written in 2018 but it was a 2020 english translation that that's gotten it you know obviously a lot more visibility among people like me who can't read malayalam and uh, it right. won the the jcb award last year in 2020 for for jcb yeah, for literature on, it's been on my list since then actually i have it in my kindle so i mean yeah i'm going to be inspired to read it after this talk i'm sure so Yeah so it's you know it it is a um from from what I I, I didn't want to have any preconceived sort of notions of uh, the novel before I just picked it up completely based on the name and like what I've heard about it and and I read it and only when I finished I sort of went back and did some research on uh the, the history of this novel in Kerala and Malayalam and it's it's sort of considered this like cult classic already even though it was just published 3 years ago in among um, Malayalam lit- literature um so uh, it was translated in english by jayasri jayasri kalathil um now s harish he is the author of three short story collections adam which has received kerala's biggest sahitya academy award rayasa vidya yudhe charithram and apan and i know i got the translations wrong so please, <laughs> i don't want any brickbats from like uh, any malayalam listeners uh, yeah, but, but i'm trying my best uh so 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 he's already sort of he's won a bunch of awards in kerala for his literature but this one his first like debut novel um immediately made like you know waves in english um so mustache is a very fascinating story and, and honestly it feels more to me like a fable than a contemporary novel even though i just said i read something contemporary it has this timeless feel about it it's the kind of story that i feel as an adult i hardly ever read anymore and what i mean okay. by that is uh it's very epic like it's like mythologized it's the kind of you know it's a kind of story that you know you would expect your mom to tell you you know oh there's a story from mahabharat and here's a story of mustache you know is is that kind of a folk storytelling tradition um it was uh 
I I mean I guess another thing I was feeling while reading this is that so much of the novels we read now, you know, whether even the ones written by Indian authors, they're trying to kind of live to this uh, format perfected or accepted by Western publishers that this is how a plot should be, uh, the, this is how the characters should be developed, this is how things should come together, this is how this is how after the climax there should be a, a dinamo, you know, it's there's a kind of understanding of how stories should be told from the Western. Yeah, it's a formula. Even, yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's a formula. Even uh, the very brave novels that break the mold, which I end up enjoying, um, are often targeted to the Western storytelling uh, style or tradition. This one brought it back. You know, it 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 really felt to me like this uh, organic sort of folk st- storytelling style, like the kind of kind of storytelling style that is a uh, oral oral storytelling style, like someone sitting with you and telling you about this. You know, oh, I had an uncle who could lift a car. Or a, I had a daddy who'd only slept half an hour a day, like you know, like that kind of like uh, tall tales, yeah. Um, yeah. which which don't often make sense. It they they, they could be they, they're like on the periphery of magic sometimes. Um, the, sometimes you know you'll be like you, you will really doubt the whether it's true or not. But then if 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 the storyteller is confident, you kind of go with it. You know you, you don't really care. So I think that's what um, mustache felt like. Um. Obviously, I can't read Malayalam, as I said. So, you know, from from what I from what I read, read about the from everything I'll tell you is from that ignorant perspective, you know, of a, of an English reader, right? Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It, it it was able to open like cultural doors for me, you know, which I feel the best pieces of art should do. You know, we don't always have to understand everything about every culture. Um, like I've only visited Kerala once. I've closed connections with people from Kerala, but still, it's still almost a foreign place to me. And especially mm-hmm. the the Kerala of this book is is so um, it's it's like a small village or a small region which is very foreign to me. So it felt very interesting immersing myself into this world. From what I've read, the English translation has been critiqued a little bit by Malayalam readers because it okay. lost some of the musical rhythm of the original and some of the of unique language quips of the original. But that said, mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed Kalathil's translation. You know. Um, Okay, so broadly, this is the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what's um, the story? Finally get to the point <laughs> after this whole preamble, right? <laughs> no, no, um, no, no. I feel I, I had to add that. Yeah. If it was a thriller or what was, like, I've always felt like it was a thriller for some reason. No, not, 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 not really. So it's, it's about this guy named Baba Chan, who is from a low caste. He's a low caste man. The caste is called Pulayan. And he lives in this area of Kerala, which is called Kutanad. Uh, and uh, the story is sort of in the around the 40s, so around the time of the last days of the Raj. Um, a okay. lot of it is about this region, Kutanad. Like there's an entire maps and descriptions of this region. It, uh, it's a very unique topography because it's a below sea level farming region on Kerala's coast, and a, okay. and the and the ecosystem really comes in powerful. So if you like nature novels, nature stories, it it yes. sort of asks for my patience a little bit because. I can sometimes get lost. You know, I'm like, uh, like, do we need to know every single detail, name of every single plant or whatever? Um, but but once you get get into the rhythm, it's very beautiful to read it, right? Um, so the Vavachan, this main character, he's asked to play the role of a policeman in a local play. There's a local theatrical performance. Um, okay. And it's, a, it's a role that normally people of his caste would not be allowed to play, his low caste, Pulayan caste. So for this role, he has to grow a mustache. And again, uh, people of his caste aren't permitted to grow a mustache. They, no one there has a mustache, like right. 
so in this play, he only has two scenes as a policeman. There's no lines of dialogue, but him and his mustache are so impactful that they scare the living wits out of like the audience. They're all high caste audience. Um, he's almost portrayed like a Ravan character, you know, from the Ramayan, like this beastly villain, a Rakshas. He has this scary mustache, you know. So from then on, he's you know he's not just Bhagwan anymore. He morphs into cap- uppercase mustache. Uh, this man who who becomes this more myth than man. He refuses to shave it off, even though people of the high caste are asking to do so. Um, he becomes like this villain for the upper caste and like a folk hero for the lower caste people. Um, and the mustache it takes life of its own. You know, it starts to the mustache becomes its own character. It becomes like this magic realism world where it can grow in size. It can help him fly. It can help him live underwater. You know, it's it becomes like this fearsome local legend. The mustache on its own. You know. Wow. Uh, so, so now what Harish does, he complicates the storytelling in a couple other ways. Um, one is that we sort of jump suddenly to the present day. We are now in contemporary times. We're in like the 2010s, where a father is telling his son the story of Mustache, a father in this region. A father has met um, a person who looks like Mustache, who looks like a man with an impressive Mustache in the market, and comes home and tells his son about this fable, this mythology of this Mustache from the 40s. So we are going back and forth now between the original mustache story and this father and son uh, who are telling the story. So there's a bit of metafiction there, right? And then the second complication is that even though uh, mustache is the central character, I would say more than half the novels is told not through mustache's perspective, but the perspective of other people and things around him. So it's like other characters who come in contact with him, who are describing him or people who hear rumors about him. So he becomes a larger than life characters where villagers are talking about him in like this way. Like, who is this person? He's going to come save us or he's going to come harm us. Um, and uh, they're like, you know, they're local, like they're the, the British white Christian leaders who are there to like spread their message and they have their agendas. Then there's this like high caste people who have their agenda. Um, and the part I love the most is that ecosystem itself has its own consciousness. So what I mean by that is the, the crocodiles in the region, they tell you about their story. Like, like this is the family of crocodiles. This is how we used to live before the white man tried to get rid of us, for example. Or the humans came in and they they took a land. They started building something. Uh, we see the perspective of the frogs, the birds, the snakes. Sometimes even the boat. They sit on a boat and we, we get the feeling of how the boat balances itself as if it's had its own consciousness. So what ends up happening is that like we aren't really getting just the story of mustache anymore. It's an entire ecosystem story. Of this area in Kerala, of of Kutat, of, of um, uh, Kutanad, you know, so um, wow. it, yeah, it was a pretty fun read in that sense, like to, to sort of take these deep dives, and you're sort of you're wondering like where are we going with this, but it all sort of swims in another mustache's story. Amazing! I have a feeling like you've described it really, really well because I've got the essence of the book without even reading it, and now. Now when I read it, I think I'll have an insider view on it, maybe because of you know this. The way you've described it, but yeah, it sounds great. It sounds really the ecosystem, especially plays. Like I said, like the environment plays a big role. You know, um, there's a lot of themes about you know humans messing with the environment. Uh, there's themes of uh, obviously uh, caste and social outrage. There's some like troublesome and controversial sexual violence in the novel, but it's it's sort of seen as a uh, I won't give anything more than that, but it's like, it's, it's sort of, it's focused on, on like intercaste, like power play in a way. Um, okay. But most of all, like, 
my takeaway from mustache was like it seems to be sort of a meditation to or or like a like a homage to the act of storytelling itself you know it's you know sometimes when a when a child asks his father innocent questions and tries to make sense the, it annoys the father he's like you know it doesn't matter not everything has to make sense mustache is a fable he's he can be he, he, we don't know whether he's a dead person or whether the person really lived we don't know whether it's he's powerful or whether he's like a godly whether he's just a man if it's real or unreal it's i think he plays with those themes a lot which um like i won't give anything away but by the end it's like it's it's it, it was like really um like like a pleasant but also like uh like like an ending that left me having a lot lot of questions but like okay so 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 who is this guy you know um so in that sense i'm not surprised that it's the novel has ended up having a larger than life of its own because he, i think the the author's conceit was for it to be something that is more than just a novel it's it, it's almost a story more than a novel yeah right wow it sounds superb and i'm glad that i have it on my list because this is really like something i'm going to get to very soon um it, so it yeah will, it, it will require some patience um yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what about yeah. you sister what have you read it's, it's funny when you said magical realism because i have literally read a fantasy of young adult fantasy novel called um the house in the cerulean sea by tj clune um and i wanted I I want to start off by saying how refreshing it was because it's been a while since I've read anything for young adults like since I've read anything in a slightly different genre say like magical or fantasy like because uh, it's not my favorite like world building world building books are not my favorite favorite genre because like getting into an author's world of oh yeah this is you know this type of species and then this type of you know they can do this kind of magic and all of that like i think i've passed the harry potter lord of the rings kind of maybe once in a while but so this, i didn't know what i didn't know what to expect with this book i thought maybe it was like a beach read or a little bit of a nice light kind of the house in the cerulean sea what it suggests but it couldn't be further from that it's a lovely comforting read but uh, so the story is basically uh, it's a world built of course and it's like where, where adults uh, live with sort of they have uh, they cohabit the same world as magical creatures so you have your you have your adult uh, government governing bodies that govern magical creatures as well you know so yeah the department of magical youth the department of magical adults like the department in charge of magical youth in charge of magical adults so we start with this government worker who works in the department of magical youth like he's in charge he's a case worker who sort of looks at magical youth uh, who don't have parents and everything who are in orphanages across the region they don't specify the region they're in maybe one thinks maybe it's the us or uk one of them and uh, and basically this guy is a very staid fellow he's 40 years old he's sort of got the most predictable plain life he lives with his cat in his house you know he has the same routine he goes home he listens to his records he he has no friends he's got this very like colorless life basically is what they show and he works in this very very like strict government uh, office and his the only fun parts of his life is when he goes to these orphanages and when he sort of meets the kids and decides should the orphanage be allowed to stay is there any issue etc 
so he gets this assignment which is very interesting where he has to go off to this far flung island in the middle of the in the sea and he has to uh, go inspect an orphanage which has these six seven really different strange kids so one of the kids is is some species called a wyvern another kid is a gnome another kid is a sprite another one is a shapeshifter so you know and then one the most dangerous one of all is the antichrist he's 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 actually the devil's son so uh he has to go and inspect this orphanage and see that all these kids are being taken care of because at the end of the day they're kids they're children right and of course the orphanage uh the person who takes care of them the caretaker is also very mysterious in his own way so he has his own secret so this is actually a gay romance as well which for i have read for the first time portrayed in such a nice fresh manner for young adults like this is the first time i'm reading queer romance for young adults you know oh. like it's not, it's not a thing like I, growing up when we read you know fiction mm-hmm. there was never ever 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 mention of a queer relationship mm-hmm. not even a little bit you know mm-hmm. not even like a hint at it so that is much much later I and mean, only certain types of novels would mm-hmm. would a gay relationship or a queer relationship be alluded to this is like mainstream fiction right now mm-hmm. for queer adults wow. very 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 popular book all across america and the uk wow. and it has a gay relationship and you and know, you know I, i guess w- what happens with um, with, with these books for young adults that that do have uh, queer themes that they become labeled as gay books so then all of a sudden that becomes a shelf instead of being a mainstream book as you said where it can be a normal yeah. fantasy magic realism book and also can be gay like it's it's sort of like exactly. casually sort of marrying those two sides together exactly because they don't dwell on the gay relationship mm. there's no like crazy you know romantic scenes and that it's it's happening in the background mm-hmm. and it's happening very nicely there's a lot of you know sweet moments mm-hmm. but at the end of the day that's not the story the story is you know so i also love the way the author in this whole thing of it describing these children who are different and magical youth and everything talks about discrimination because at the end of the day mm-hmm. a lot of people discriminate against these magical youth because they're different okay. from what mm-hmm. we know right they're different they are wyverns they're jellyfish mm-hmm. they're sprites they're mm-hmm. they're different species but at the same time they're children they're six year old kids who have like you know they they don't mean anyone any harm but there's a lot of discrimination against them so the book also brings about discrimination obviously the message of discrimination very well mm-hmm. so in short this linus baker the protagonist he mm-hmm. when he goes to this island he doesn't know what to is- expect but he ends up finding his family because the the children may be like these like whatever devil creatures and everything but at the end of the day they're so lovable and they're they're children and you know so that whole message comes out that you never mm-hmm. know where you'll find your family you never know the unexpected places where you'll find people who you love mm-hmm. you know so it's it's lovely it's a very warm feel good kind of book it's like you know a uh, nice blanket hug cozy kind of hmm. vibe going on there uh so i would definitely recommend it and also because it's so fresh right like mm. first of all it's built a world mm. and you know you get sucked into that and secondly it's this whole queer thing going on and mm. you know it's it's not sunlight things we read usually mm-hmm. so um yeah so i i really enjoyed it i think it was very different from i think probably the most different book i've read all year yeah. at least oh. so in that sense it was interesting So actually it's symbolic of a changing world to me mm. this book 
okay because i had never grown up reading stuff like this so mm-hmm. i was like wow if this is what a 17 year old is reading today mm-hmm. that's fab because it's 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 become mainstream it's become regular yes linus baker can you know have a a, a romantic relationship with a man mm-hmm. and that's just woven into the story like literally a neighbor an old loud irritating neighbor in his old mm-hmm. life tells him why are you still single can i set you up with my granddaughter Mm-hmm. and he says no and she says oh right right girls are not for you can i set you up with my grandson mm-hmm. it comes about as as naturally as that you know it's mm-hmm. not like some coming out story and mm-hmm. oh my god and this and so it's nice to see how this is now woven into everyday yeah. life and it's not such a big deal so so i mean i i'm curious this is the first um, i think this is the first time uh, we we've discussed a young adult novel like that right what made you yes. choose this was there any particular reason that you like that you were cuz cuz every time uh, you bring a book i'm always curious about your sort of you know like what was your your, your brain wave decision making that led you to this so i'll tell you uh, so i was kind of uh, done with heavy novels like mm-hmm. after all the life we cannot see which was a fabulous book as we know but it was heavy it was like mm-hmm. whoa you have to like immerse yourself in world war 2 and you know all the things that happened then and so i kind of wanted a beach read to be i wanted like a summer novel and it's been a while since I've, there was a time in college where i had where i used to go through like chiclet books one a week you know like mm-hmm. i love capri and bergdorf blondes mm-hmm. and the shopaholic series and they were also fun in their own way mm-hmm. although they can get a bit vapid after like 3 4 of them yeah. at a time you're just like you know so i wanted something like that and i have a, a book recommendation page on facebook which i've started the couple of like you you're you're a part of it yeah yeah uh, like 110 of us just sort of are on that page and talk uh, talk about books and one of my friends had suggested um, so i i'd put up a question saying what are you reading this mm-hmm. se- this week and one of my friends had suggested the house okay. in the cerulean sea and she said it's a really nice warm mm-hmm. novel so when i checked it out the cover was so tempting and yeah. i was like hey okay it's, it's like cool, a little yeah. house yeah. in the sea and everything yeah. and i was like okay maybe this is like a beach read you know yeah. so i didn't even know about the world and the fantasy maybe if i knew i wouldn't have read it karan mm. because i'm not a fan of like this whole magical creatures and this one is a that and that one is a this but mm. after reading it you can get involved if okay. you read a something and you're like okay no it's too much i don't want this magic world Mm-hmm. but i'm glad i i'm glad i did it actually i'm very glad do, do you feel like it's a kind of story that that's going to sort of because normally uh, when a fantasy book is successful then there's going to be sequels it becomes a whole world then do you, do you think this is going to be a series or is this like a one of one no, not a series but it's definitely going to become a film or a mm. show or something okay. because if you see on goodreads mm-hmm. there's a lot of fan art already this oh, is wow. a kind of book that lends itself to fan art because each yeah. child is a different species Okay. So they've already made the species. They've already mm. drawn the caretaker, the protagonist. Like they, uh, it lends itself to a lot of art. It's very, okay. it's a very visual novel. Wow. So I can see the movie rights being bought and everything because it's, it's, it's very popular. So T.J. Mm. Clune is a, is a famousish queer author in the sense okay. he's known to bring in queer stories into, mm-hmm. uh, uh, into his writing. So yeah, this one has done superbly this book. Okay. It's like literally now famous worldwide. Wow. So it's a That's, good book. So 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 we are really looking forward to two big Netflix fantasy movies now. One's going to be in Malayalam Mustache and one's going <laughs> to be uh The House on the Cerulean. It's called Cerulean Sea, the Cerulean Island. The Cerulean Sea. Yeah, the Cerulean, Cerulean Sea. sea. 
fantastic. It's so, so funny. again, the themes have overlapped, right? Somehow. This, the, the, the theme for this uh, this month was, I guess, fantasy magic realism. You know. Um, yes. Yeah. So I mean, I'll, I'll just run down our books again. I read Mustache by S. Harish. And I read uh, The House in the Cerulean Sea by T. J. Klune. Uh, it was great having you, Shasta, once again, and uh, I will catch you in a month with a couple other new books to discuss. Yes, thank you, Karan. See you soon. So I'm here with Adi Manral. Adi, how are you doing? Doing good, Karan. Uh, glad to be back. Listening to new music, lots of new stuff out. So yeah. So, so before we to be get back. to before we get to our artist of the month. Uh, what's what's the flavor of the month these days like let's talk about some other artists some other new music that you've been listening to um whether it's indian artists international artists what else have you been listening to before we uh, talk about the artist of the month i think i'm always very curious about the singer songwriters um, around the world what kind of music they're doing and um, you know even in india like uh, you you keep hearing the stuff from all the big artists and mm-hmm. uh, not surprisingly some of them are singer songwriters so that stands out mm-hmm. yeah so i want to try something new you know usually we we focus only on the artist of the month but i but you know like i like doing it around about because both you and i are always listening to international music too so so we can talk about a little bit about uh, you know non indian artists that we are enjoying right now and then we can focus on the indian artist of the month um i mean i i've been listening a lot to the new i mean i listen to a lot of hip hop so i've been listening to uh, to a lot of like the new nas album things disease to i've been listening to a lot of uh, j cole his album's been pretty great and of course mm-hmm. like like every rap al- fan in the world we are i'm waiting for donda the new kanye album which he's announcing mm-hmm. and massaging and it's not coming out it's coming in indian standard time ist you know he like he's 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 yeah. going to come a month ago it's still not there yet there's so much hype around it so I mean that's sort of like the roundup of what I've been really interested in. What about you? What else have you been listening to apart from? Um, I um, like you would know because I was in the US and I somehow uh, was digging all this country and uh, you know folk music, and mm-hmm. uh, I I'm really um, you know impressed with how um, Spotify somehow pushes all these uh, you know underground artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how their alg- algorithm works, but but you kind of hear about these musicians. who are not really big and then you kind of get hooked onto their music so there was this one uh, band that i really like is called the the wild rivers okay. and they've got a bunch of um, nice music it's it's like a country slightish country folk uh, band mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's been something that i've recently so so you know i'm also a lot into i mean that that reminds me not the countryside but like the folk rock side i'm into the black keys a lot and usually they don't make folk music but then latest album uh, i don't know if you've mm. heard the cream it's covers of these like um sort of bluegrass classics that they grew up listening to and uh, and i know that right. you also listen to a lot of blue, bluegrass music so i would recommend that too their their latest album oh, is just cool. like yeah the, the covers yeah. of like all their, their their own favorite songs if that's yeah yeah Yeah. Well, also I was impressed with um, the Foo Fighters uh, because I follow them closely, mm-hmm. and have you seen the new stuff? The DGs uh, they've kind of taken a you know a take on BGs, mm-hmm. and they're just making dance music, but in a very rocky element to it. Okay. And um, but but like if you hear it, you think that this is BGs, but it's Foo Fighters, and okay. they just 
making whatever they want to do. And uh, I was reading one of the comments on YouTube is that Foo Fighters are so big that if they want to play disco, they can make a whole disco album. And because they, they're able to do it because they're Foo Fighters. And that's so true. It's uh, it's in, incredible what they're doing. Yeah, when you get, when you've been relevant for that long, when you've been famous for that long, you don't have anything to prove, right? You can just have fun with the music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Adi, you want to bring, yeah. bring us back to our sort of focus of the month? Um, we started off hinting that we have an Indian artist of the month, and the artist you chose for this month is Tejas, uh, and his new song is called Forget Conversation. So, Tejas is a Mumbai based singer songwriter. Uh, this song is from his latest album, it's called Outlast. Uh, he, he has a couple other projects out. I think he, uh, 2014's EP Small Victory and 2017's LP Make It Happen. Um, right. And, and, and Tejas has like, a, I mean, you know, I didn't know much about him, but I did some research and I found out like his his band, his backing band is made up of a lot of other established um, instrumentalists oh, yeah. and musicians from outside, from around India. So he's got like a guitarist from the Cognac Net. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got guitarist from Letters, a drummer from the, the, the Ska Outfit, Fankalus. So, um, like, he, he, it's sort of like a super group of sorts that, that's backing him up in a way. Um, yeah. Why did you choose the song Forget Conversation? Um, well, let me let me also kind of add up to what Tejas is. And Tejas, man, and everybody knows Tejas. And, uh, you know, he's kind of like a veteran in the indie music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, very well-established singer-songwriter. Uh, falls with the names, uh, big names in India. And like you, like you noticed, all these big artists are are sort of uh, working together as a band, mm-hmm. like like they they work with Tejas, but but you know like it's all uh, collective. That that sound that we hear is a collective sound, and uh, and yeah. So 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 coming back to why I picked this song is because um, now that you hear this music and you hear any other songs from any any like you know i mean there is so much stuff that is being produced in india so much uh, effort from the indie scene and uh, when you hear any song from uh, his his um, album outlast and uh, forget conversation uh, stuck, you know like stuck out to me at least but but when you do hear the music the production is just so brilliant like it is it makes him stand apart from all of this, like, you know, whatever I'm doing or whatever everybody else is doing, you can, you can tell that this is a big artist. Look at the, um, you know, the, the arrangement and the production value of everything that he's done. And you can compare it to his even previous um, releases. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like a big difference from what he has done previously. And then, uh, and all of the songs that he's done now. So um, yes, one was the production value that it, it's so, it's so, so, so nice. And then forget conversation is is a song that um, I kind of like because I I like his um, early two thousand vibe that that you know he gives out for, with his music um, and and um, I think I I was into a lot of these early two thousand um, I mean we've all grown up with that sort of music right like and and when you hear music that is similar to that it's like oh, hey I want to listen to that again and. Um, so this is one of those songs that I keep going back to again and again. And if I play it once, I'll play it twice. So mm. that's that's how it's been with Forget Conversation. Yeah, I've noticed with Tejas, like, and it's not, uh, you know, I, I think he, he he may have those, you know, sort of alt-rock sort of beginnings. But, you know, I, I hear elements of country, R&B, electronica, like there's a mix of different sort of stuff going on with this music. Like, in your opinion, who would you compare him to uh, Indian artist, foreign artist, who who do you feel his sound is most like? 
or or is there anybody? I I yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, it's it's always good to compare uh, any musician with a foreign artist. It's like, uh, oh hey, we did we did well. Like oh me, I mean, my production was so good, or my song mm-hmm. was so good that it can be compared to an artist. Mm-hmm. But the ultimate goal of all these artists is is to kind of um, create their own trademark sound yeah. and. Um, but it's 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 something debatable you know like you're always get, going to be compared and i felt like some of his music was uh, you know it it reminded me of jason raz from early 2000s um i don't think there is anybody in the indian scene that i can really compare him to like it mm-hmm. he's not like a pratik kuhar or someone he's tejas is somebody who's experimenting and you know challenging himself like mm-hmm. something that was purely very guitar centric uh, uh, with his previous uh, you know releases these uh, songs that he's come out with like you noticed uh, like you mentioned electronic you know mm-hmm. he's he's challenging himself like it's it's it is still guitar based songs but but it's uh, it's got so many other elements playing along mm-hmm. that um, that you can tell that this is uh, it's it's not an easy um, record to produce it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a lot of work from his end um so yeah it's hard to compare anybody in india what he is doing mm-hmm. well and the song you chose uh, speaking of production value it is it has good production value and it's and it's a it's a kind of happy dancey catchy song you know with a with a very catchy hook so um here's the song of the month uh, by the artist stages it's called forget conversation <laughs> to meet ya forget the dance for golden lines i didn't need it i can never know more than others could forget the lies what's in your eyes close and not caring baby just me
Pratik Santram is here and uh, we're going to talk about the family man. Mission is ready, Raji. I think we are under attack. <laughs> Hi guys. Um yeah, I'm I'm doing well. Uh I did binge the last half of the show yesterday. Mm. Uh because I started watching it and then something happened and it's actually a show that my wife and I work, watch together. Mm. Uh and uh, so I was just like okay, I'll watch it for because we have to record today. But yeah, I just I just binged it. So yeah, it was it was it was good, interesting. So so we're here to talk about season 2. Uh the, the family man is created by Raj and DK. Uh, season 1 was released in 2019 right before the pandemic and season 2 came in june this year like basically in the heat of the pandemic literally um it's a great cast starring manoj bajpai who's just an awesome lead role as shrikant tiwari priya mani plays his wife suchi there's also sharif hashmi ashtila thakur vidhan sinha and a lot more um so the season 2 there's a major role by samantha akineni who we'll get into more she plays raji as part of a militant rebel group fighting for the cause of the Tamil Elam independent state in Sri Lanka. Uh, so briefly, sort of the background to this is if you guys haven't watched any of The Family Man, I'm sure, uh, I mean, it's pretty popular. So if you're listening to this, you, you, you may know the story some, somewhat. But uh, Srikant Manoj Bajpai, he's an intelligent officer who works for TASC, which is sort of a fictional investigative energy, kind of like the RNAW in India. Um, much of his job involves preventing terror threats. And I use the word preventing, especially because I think apart from a few cases, one of the themes that in Family Man that's, that stand out is that, you know, we common citizens of India, we don't know about all the background work mm-hmm. that goes uh, to pre- prevent tragedy, like, uh, like terrorists, mm-hmm. that's like the, because if something doesn't happen, then it doesn't make the news that we don't know about it. So it, especially in season two, like the, the quote unquote heroes are played, are, are sort of shown as unsung heroes, you know? Um, now, now, what makes this show special, though, which, uh, you know, the reason I, I, come, I keep coming back to it, because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of these movies and shows like that are about, like, the heroes solving, you know, big international crises, is that Shrikant is, like, a very average person, otherwise. He has this, like, half of the show is about his family life, his personal life, his family problems, his job, his marriage, his kids. Like, he's shown as, if you don't know his other side, He's, he's shown as almost anyone who's in the rut of a government job where he gets a low salary. It's just, it sucks for mm-hmm. him, you know? Um, so there's a lot of humor there for Manoj Bajpayee primarily, who plays this role really well. And, you know, uh, like sort of balancing the government job and the family pressure. Um, his superpower, sort of, is that he can lie really well. Like he can, he can sort of tell lies, whether it's a terrorist or to his family. Like he can tell a story and, and they'll buy it, you know? Uh, season one, the focus yeah. was on Kashmir and Pakistan, the threat from Kashmir and Pakistan. Um, season two shifts the focus to South. A, a lot of action is in Chennai. Um, and we'll get, I mean, there are a lot of, 
there's a lot here which I found problematic too, but we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, well, first, I want to talk about the stuff, you know, well, before I get into it, Pratik, is there anything major in sort of the background information that I missed that you want to add to this? I think you got it all. Um, and yeah, just what is, uh, we, I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but yeah, his, his uh, I, I like that you put it, put it uh, his, uh, his lying as a superpower. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, uh, that's an interesting take. Yeah, definitely. So for season two, we will you, talk you finished it a lot more recently than I did. I think I finished it about a month yeah. ago. Um, mm-hmm. What, tell me some of the stuff that stood out to you. Like, I mean, you know, there's a lot to like about this show. Uh, in your opinion, yeah. what stuff do you like a lot? What stuff stood out? Yeah, I think the writing was stronger than last season. Uh, mm. I think the writing overall is is good anyway. Uh, and I mean, I mean, like the, the actual lines that they, they that they deliver. Mm. I think it was a lot stronger. Uh, the characters, uh, especially his character, Manoj Bajpayee's character, Shri Kantiwari, I think that is a lot more defined. Where um, it's it's a very very it's it's more natural. It comes across as more natural. Because first season, I think we were still like discovering things about him. We were we were waiting for something like uh, something in his past that is really sinister. But he's not that guy. He's not a guy with uh, a, <laughs> with with a dark past per se. He must have done a lot of things for the country, which uh, which I'll actually like for the show that don't keep going back. That some things you know most of these shows are like oh something happened you failed in some some way and then. He's a normal guy. He's a very normal guy who, uh, yes, does have abnormal situations that he deals with, but the problems that he's facing are very, very normal. And I think this time uh, there's the whole added thing of uh, marital stress, which is, uh, well, more <laughs> marital stress than there was last, last time around. So I think it, uh, and being a dad to like unresponsive kids or, uh, yeah, or two teenagers basically, which I think they did pretty well. So I liked, I liked that aspect of it. Um, honestly, that's that's what what I like about in season one as well. But I think the set pieces also were really good, like just the action sequences, which I honestly was not a huge fan of in season one, which I think they did much better this time around. Yeah, our, our expectations as the Indian audience for action sequences are anyways not that high. Like we're not expecting like you know Mar- Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff or anything like that. And I mean, and, yeah. and forget even movies. Like even in a t- TV show, it's or, I mean I say TV, but in an OTT show, it's even lower, right? Or you, or you would ex- yeah. expectations are lower is what I mean. So in that sense, the the action sequences were fine. Like they, uh, they are pretty gripping. And you know, I, I think gone are the days when we would imagine that like an an, an Indian production can never have high production value when it comes to action sequence. I think yeah. uh, the production value is very high. And the Shrikant character, you're so right. Like he, I think what I like about Shrikant is that he is a wholly original uh, uh, creation, a wholly original character. There's nothing mm-hmm. I have seen. You know, um, we, we binge a lot of shows and movies, uh, Western movies from other cultures. And very yeah. often, you know, the Indian heroes and their flaws are almost always copied by someone, something that's been done before, that we've seen before. Yeah. I'll give an example. Yeah. I recently watched Tufan, which is the Farhan Akhtar boxing movie. Decent film. Yeah. But like the character of Farhan Akhtar is like, I've seen it 15 times in different boxing movies in the past, you know. Yeah. Whereas Shrikant Tiwari is such a specifically Indian dad. <laughs> you know, it's uh, which yeah. is what like really makes him stand out. Um, I think uh, yeah, we mentioned the production value. There, there's some great jokes here in this across yeah. the season, but in season uh, two especially. Um, and I'll also want to sort of flag the uh, positively flag the like attention to detail when it comes to a lot of the international. I mean, we, we get into my, my criticism. We'll get into this too. 
but just that you know the the show claims to be inspired by current events right and they actually mm-hmm. it seems like the, it, uh, you know the people who are doing the research about international issues international relations they know what they're talking about they've done the background research yeah. um yeah. it it's not a it's not a half ass job that like you know a lot of these jingoistic shows and movies get wrong in india mm-hmm. um it, it might not all show up in the surface but you can see that there was an intelligent research team when when it comes to sort of yeah. india's like diplomatic international research and and the intelligence the world of um uh, uh counter terrorism intelligence it seems like there's a yeah, lot of research yeah. being done yeah i think uh, you got it right especially uh, with with the whole diplomatic like channels and um it it wasn't the whole thing of you know it it was a very natural representation of like for example they chose a country like sri lanka which you know is a neighbor uh, and has had problems with terrorism in the past uh, both countries have, have faced like uh, common issues with that in the past but just to show that um instead of the whole india pakistan thing over and over which which was season 1 more of season 1 but they, they didn't show the diplomatic side that much like they did this time um so i think that that is that is quite quite new well nuance would be too strong over maybe but it was well it was well thought out it wasn't your regular uh, yeah your regular uh, division of politicians that was the yeah. um a- anything else you want to praise before i sort of cuz i have like a few Sorry. critical things to say about this <laughs> of course this show like it's not the, and there are a lot of things that that you know that i feel we have to sort of uh, speak about yeah. that, that they got wrong but before i get into that yeah. like is there any any other positives that you would like to you know talk about yeah just just coming back on the sequences of the action sequences one we don't usually get technical uh, on this podcast but yeah, yeah. you know the the single the single camera long shots yes uh, yeah wonderful that, so i actually have i don't have an issue per se but i think this show overdoes it a little bit hmm. because i think there are at least four sequences in this season where they do that uh having said that they done very well <laughs> I I never uh, I love I love all of these single action shots because <laughs> they really give the sense of like being there um and, yeah. and I, I don't want to spoil the ending but the the very last sort of action sequence is really well done you know uh, it's really well done no 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 complaints about like uh, the way it's done no complaints about the quality i just think because they did that in season 1 i think they did it twice in this time they did it more than uh, three times if if i'm not mistaken uh there there are two sequences that stand out one is the one is a shootout which again not spoiling anything but there is a shootout uh, in a confined space and there is a bigger in the climax where mm-hmm. it's a much larger area that they're covering mm-hmm. and it was beautifully choreographed i mean it was really well done uh, so yeah i mean uh, not complaining at all i'm actually saying that it's really well done uh, and it's nice to see that like technically also this the camera work was really 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 outstanding yeah yeah we're a long way from like khiladi <laughs> like and Mora <laughs> and those movies which were just like the it almost be unwatchable now the action sequences from Bollywood yeah. in the 90s it's funny like yeah. uh, the, the great hollywood films of the 90s the action sequences mm. i almost feel were better then because there was less cgi yeah. like it it felt yeah, yeah, more yeah. realistic and i think cgi in some way spoiled it whereas in india there's no comparison like the action sequences have exactly. become so so much more evolved right um yeah okay i have some criticisms and and you know i had initially started talking about like the, the international relations side of this and how they sort of manage the the intelligence behind the current events but it's very interesting like they at the end of the day their the moral still seems to be that like you must trust the indian police state like we are taking yeah, care yeah, of yeah. you beta like you know it's one of these like 
um, like even though they give a voice and a personality to um, the quote unquote villains of the show and the villains are always you know they almost took the easy way out like the the sort of mainstream indian perspective we can't be the villains the villains always have to come exactly. from pakistan or always have to come from yeah. uh, sri lanka or i mean they hinted at season 3 too which i won't give away but like they always have to come from yeah. one more country right um yeah, so it's yeah. I, i felt that that's a bit too easy and it's a bit too safe a decision now you know th- this show i think right before it was about to come out there was a whole like uh, information and broadcasting a ministry thing where they took over and basically they started like slashing any show that was even a bit critical to the government so and i'm, yeah. I'm sure that the family man had to do some cuts too but still thematically yeah. they they want us to trust the the police state you know and uh, i don't mean the police in itself but in general the indian army yeah. the indian um, intelligence um it's they are given a lot more complications and they're given time for redemption like shrikant has made a mistake yeah. in the se- in the first season which he's tries to redeem like th- they are given complexities which the villains in the quote unquote villains in my view are not where they're sort of just shown yeah. as th- they are bad people th- they're pushed into the corner and they became bad people you know um yeah. of course yeah, uh, that's... sorry go on no no i was just saying with season 1 you're right like when especially when this scene starts so that mistake or or the the flaws in the indian system or uh i wouldn't say government but at least in the system uh a kind of shown and you know it's i i started thinking okay maybe maybe they're going to be balanced in that their outlook but as the as the season went on as season progressed it was uh, yeah i mean it became like they are the knights in shining armor mm. uh, who have to protect everybody else and so so the so the that nuance was gone that nuance was, i think that was in fact that was more in season 1 yeah. where they showed you know sometimes then resorting to illegal means yeah. or kind of showed it from the other perspective which which i think uh, diminished steadily in this season where mm-hmm. at the end it was very like good versus bad or yeah. black yeah. black and white that, that's know, a good way of saying like like the good and bad was very clearly defined there was like a hard line between yeah. good and bad which is not reality which is I, i mean again the reason i expect closer to reality in this show is because so much stuff is close to reality like as as we mentioned mm-hmm. like they, they do take inspiration from real news stories so it's funny like i mean and this is an extension of that I find it strange like there there's no way possible to take inspiration from new stories in India and then pretend that we're not living in a sort of a country that is turning towards violent hindutva and violent right wing right and this show yeah, almost yeah. completely it almost completely ignores it i think season 1 had hints of it, it but it's yeah. if you are going to be realistic about everything else of our neighbors i think we have to be realistic about yeah. ourselves too and we have to That's take that into yeah. account we have to uh, if you're going to criticize the you know they they, they sort of again not a big spoiler but but they sort of take a cheap like cheapish jab with the love jihad storyline too in this you know mm-hmm. it's like which is i mean it's okay if you're going to do that uh, if you're going to do it in a mature way but then again uh, look inwards as well look inwards within the the flaws of the majority in india which i think this show sort of flinched at and they didn't do it all the way yeah Yeah I, that's I think the treatment especially as far as it goes for like the um towards the muslim community I think uh, it was more problematic in season 1 in mm. season 2 because because uh, pakistan sponsored state, state terrorism is not a focus of this it's a part of it it's not a focus of the season so I think that's why it was less but you're right they they worked in the love jihad angle also 
uh, in that, which you're right. I mean, it's not a problem. It's just, it's a storyline. I think mm-hmm. when I I heard a lot of criticism about it when the season came out. Uh, very honestly, I don't think it was that bad. But yes, you're right. We, they should have addressed some of the issues that are happening domestically as well. I mean, yeah. uh, it is almost like. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's a show. Uh, I didn't find it that problematic. Like actually, last season, as I said, was more problematic for me. Uh, in that in that space uh, where I do want to see a show for for its value, um, I had a bigger problem. I think you, you were going to bring it up. Is uh, the the is dark face? I don't know how to say, even say a brown face. It's not brown, brown face. face. Uh, I mean, it's brown facing. But yeah, that's what I was saying. It's, it's weird. <laughs> I mean, it, it it was completely weird because she's supposed to play a Sri Lankan person, a Sri Lankan rebel. Yeah. yeah. Like Sri Lankan people can be fair. They don't have to be yeah. like it. it that, that was so absurd to me. And and well, yeah. if you if you want a darker skin actress, then hire a darker skin actress. Hire dark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or let and and by the way, like Samantha Akineni was really really good as um, yeah. as a Raji. She is an excellent villain. And I say villain in quotation marks too, because, you know, she has such a, uh, like, like she has such an intriguing personality in this. Every time she's on screen, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So, so, she, so she, uh, not criticizing her acting at all, but yeah, they should just let her look like what she looks like. It was so strange that they did that. And it was, it's very, I mean, it's never a good thing to do that, but it was also did a bad job of it. Like, yes. <laughs> it was very obvious as well. Like yeah. it's it's bad enough that they did it, but yeah. they also didn't do a very good job in uh, for a of, show for yeah. a show whose production value we have been praising. Yeah. It's we almost yeah. went back. The makeup value went back to the seventies, eighties. Like it was a terrible <laughs> job in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 excellent work by her though. Like just mm-hmm. just a shout out to her performances. I think it was great. Um. Overall, I mean, uh, that said, I, I also agree with you. I, you know, it, this is an enjoyable enough show, and it's sort of made, you know, it, it, it's made in a relatively mature way. It's not out and out yeah. rara jingoistic India best hai. You know, it's sort of mm. showing these people who are not getting credit for helping India out. Um, I yeah. mean, there's again a very poignant scene in the very end. Um, I think you know what I'm talking about, where he meets the prime yeah. minister, and like I won't give too much yeah. away, but it was such like a sad moment. That like he 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 is having like a hard time celebrating even the good that he does, um, yes. uh, and and I think the, the what will keep me coming back to though is is the family side of this, is you know the fact that his 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 relationship with his kids is so entertaining, his relationship with mm-hmm. his wife is is very intriguing. You know his the way he talks to his friends, it's a uh, it's 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 done very naturally and it's done the way that I can imagine. There's so many people I know in India who have family situations like this, and and yeah. it's it's, all, it's funny to imagine that the, one of them could actually be like an elite counterterrorism sort of agent, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, the, uh, his reaction. To, so one the one thing that is that comes across is uh, is when uh, when he talks to like people like strange strangers or he talks to people in an official capacity, he's very calm. Yeah. So uh, as soon as but as soon as he starts talking to his friends. He becomes like really abusive, not not abusive in like, but just like he uses swear words, yeah. um, and you know, uh, and I think that's all of us, yeah, <laughs> some, of us. to some degree, or uh, in India, uh, and I say India because the, the words that he uses out, the, the kind of swear words that we would use with our friends, mm-hmm. um, and so it's really interesting, especially when his uh, 
there are these very few scenes there were more in season 1 but when he's talking to his uh, daughter's the principal of the principal mm-hmm. of his daughter's school yeah yeah and he becomes such a such a nice guy <laughs> and as soon as she's out of the whatever the next scene you suddenly be swearing yeah yeah <laughs> giving mom and dad so I, I, Manoj Bajpayee is incredible. Like in almost everything he is in, he does a great job. Uh, we spoke about him last yeah. time in in Ray. He was in the best Ray. part in that too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. he alone should be the reason to watch this. But you know, uh, if you guys haven't, uh, you know, I, I think it should be watched with a critical eye. Uh, so, so do let me know if if you guys do watch a Family Man. Do reach out to us and, and let us know what your thoughts are. Pratik, thank you so much for joining this episode of What's a Chakkar, and I will catch you soon. A big thank you to all the guests for joining us today and of course to all the listeners who have tuned in. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please check us out on thechakkar.com and we are on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter at @thechakkar. Until next time, chakkar ghumte raho. <laughs>